Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will smart food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Yeah, the Flyers are, are going through it right now. Welcome to Checking Out the Competition, Florida Panthers number two. This time we are joined by Bryce Zimmerman, who is one of the community contributors over at Litterbox Cats. Bryce, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Kelly. How are you? Great. Thank you very much. So the Flyers first played the Panthers back on October 23rd, a 4-2 loss for the Flyers. And since then, the Panthers have appeared to continue <laughs> to be a very hard hockey team to beat. Um, they have gone one, two, three, four, five, five, two, and two in the month of November. And uh, yeah, this team just doesn't seem to be losing a lot of hockey games. Bryce, what would you say is the main driver so far this season of their success? Well, I think the main driver this season has just been the depth of talent that the Florida Panthers have, particularly when you look at the the top four lines and then even a couple of guys that have been healthy scratches that have come in to contribute off the bench or come in due to injuries. Right now, Alexander Barkov on the shelf, and, and that's a big blow, especially because the Panthers, as deep as they are, are a little bit weak at center and have had some injuries in that pivot position. But the forward depth just lines one through four. They can all score. They can all forecheck. They can all score in transition. And that's really where the Panthers are getting that national notoriety right now is just how many goals they score off the rush in transition. And they're just so good at it. Yeah. Yeah. Watching them um, is a lot of fun, except when they're playing the Flyers. Watching the Panthers as like a disinterested third party hockey game observer is very fun for me personally. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, the Panthers went two and two or zero, two and two. They lost to the Rangers. They lost big time to the Devils, which is really surprising. Seven to three. Um, lost to Pittsburgh in a shootout and lost to Tampa Bay in overtime. That is essentially the one week in which Florida lost all of their hockey games so far this season. What happened that week? So all four of those games were on the road and um, the two games against the the New York area teams, the Rangers and the Devils, I thought were the first time this year going back to, of course, the first part of the season when Joel Klimville was coach and then when Andrew Burnett took over. Those two games against the Rangers and the Devils were the first time I felt like the Panthers got out coached a little bit. Uh, Gerard Gallant, who is a former Florida Panthers coach, he was ready he had implemented some things, including a 1-3-1 in the neutral zone that really bogged down Florida's transition game. And then New Jersey, I think, was just better and more skilled and faster. I'm really impressed 
wow. with that Devils team. There's a there's a lot of good players in that team. In fact, um, the Panthers just played the Devils on November 18th, won that game four to one. But Spencer Knight had to make like 21 saves in the opening period. And the Devils, at least for the first 20 minutes, were extremely quick, fast. They just couldn't finish. And then the Panthers kind of got their feet underneath them, got their skates underneath them and came through and started winning again. So three straight wins back on track. But yeah, those four losses all on the road, I think maybe a little bit of a, a collective um, a collective down moment there for the team after going through the emotions of Joel Quinville leaving the team, Burnett taking over, riding high, and then losing those four games has been a wake-up call, though, because they come back to home ice where they've been terrific, the best team in the NHL, and the, the winning streak at home just continues to move on. Yeah, so for folks listening to this who don't know, this game against the Flyers for the Panthers would be, I believe, for the record um, for consecutive wins at home to start a season. So it's kind of a big game for the Panthers. And they have been just absolutely dominant at home. What do you think the difference is? Like, what's making the difference there? Well, it really stretches back to last year, the tail end of last year. I don't remember exactly, but I think they won – you know, their last 10 of 11 on home ice, which is now FL, FLA Live Arena. And, you know, there's something, I, I think there's more fans, there's more excitement. I mean, you know, I've been a Florida Panthers fan. I, I have to be honest, I was an Atlanta Thrashers fan first. And the year that I moved to Florida was the year the Thrashers went to Winnipeg. And I was went sure. searching for a team and I decided the Tampa Bay Lightning are too good. I come from being a Thrashers fan. I can't, I can't be a Lightning <laughs> fan. I need pain. I need suffering. So I was there with the Florida Panthers brethren. And and for so long, it's been an area that has just been waiting for a team like this to come along. And once Bill Zito came in, breathed new life into this franchise, what happened last year in the playoffs, all of that carried over to the start of this season. And they're just supremely confident on home ice. They're getting good crowds now down there at the arena. I mean, if you caught some of the highlights from the Minnesota Wild game a couple of nights ago, I mean, it was loud. And uh, to have that type of atmosphere this early in the season, that type of excitement generated around the Panthers and really around a sports market that, that kind of needs a winner, um, I think that's helped buoy the team. And they just they look really, really good at home. They dictate play, save for a couple of periods. They're a very good first-period team. They come out, they put teams on their back edges and they attack, they attack, they attack, they activate the defensemen, they're quick through the neutral zone, and they just don't let you have a break. So you mentioned the coaching change. Um, obviously, Joel Quenville, uh, I guess, resigned um, officially, and now you've got a interim coach. Has there been any, like, appreciable change to the system, or have they just kind of continued the way they've been playing all season? They've really continued on in that same mold that Joel Gwynfield had, had built in his time in Sunrise. And Andrew Burnett, I think one of the reasons why they elected to go with an interim coach, and I, I've read some things online that, that kind of lead to the idea that Burnett's going to have a long leash in Florida, that that unless they start losing or really go into a spiral, you know, he's got a good chance potentially to, to coach this team for the remainder of the season. Certainly has the talent to be able to put, put points on the board and continue to get wins. But the system has been unchanged. And I think Bill Zito, you know, knowing what he knew at the time that Quinville had to resign, that there wasn't really another coaching candidate out there who was going to come in. I mean, Tortorella, I think, was a guy that that some people in the media thought might fit in 
and uh, his system is completely different. You know, his style is completely different. And I think Bill Zito recognized, you know, this is a team, we're on the right path. We lose Joel Quinville for really circumstances that, that weren't in their control in a lot of ways. And how do we continue on that path forward? And Brunette, steady as a rock right there, a guy that played a thousand games um, in the NHL. I think most of them after he was like 27 years old. I mean, he had a kind of a, a twilight career that started when some guys' careers are ending. And yeah, and, and, and Brunette, actually a former original Atlanta Thrasher, I want to throw that in there, is he was, he was a part of the expansion draft. And there was a great article in The Athletic by uh, Michael Russo, who is, used to be a Panthers beat writer, is now uh, a beat writer for the Minnesota Wild. And um, and he kind of chronicled Brunette as this person, you know, kind of this like big, boisterous, laughing, great coach, personality, players coach. And it just seemed like a logical fit to have him step in, see where it goes for a couple of weeks. And so far, you know, not only has he treaded water, he's, he's put up a pretty good point percentage to this point as head coach. And the team has, aside from that four game skid, just just kept moving, just kept going forward with that singular goal of not just making the playoffs like last year, but, but doing some damage in the playoffs. Yeah. And I mean, so, so far it looks like, I mean, obviously it's early still, but they look like a team that, especially in the Atlantic division where I feel like a couple of the stronger teams like Boston are starting to kind of struggle a little bit. I feel like they could probably make some noise this year heading into the playoffs. Um, But I want to talk a little bit about defense. I read an article this morning getting ready for this about the Florida Panthers defense, which is also really good. So the team scores the most goals per game in the league and surrenders the fifth fewest game goals per game. Um, I want to talk about Bobrovsky a little bit later. I'm sure he's a big part of that. But what is it about the defense that's been playing so well? Bill Zito went out, you know, in his time as general manager, and I know this is a little bit of last year's news, but it all started when he traded Mike Mike Matheson out and brought in Patrick Hornquist. And you say, well, Hornquist is a forward. Why does that matter for the defense? It was all about getting the right type of defenders into Quinville's system, into this system that Burnett has inherited, and that is transition defenders. When you look at the top four defensemen, maybe not in ice time, but the top four defensemen when it comes to skill, you're looking at Aaron Ekblad, who is developed into really an all-world player. I mean, this guy can just yeah. about do it all. Oh, there's a couple of issues. If we want to nitpick, he he doesn't accelerate. He's got some some times where he can get caught flat-footed. But for the most part, I mean, a true all-star caliber defenseman. Mackenzie Wieger, if you're an analytics guru, you probably are aware of Mackenzie Wieger. In fact, uh, some national outlets had him driving play as part of the pairing between Ekblad and Uyghur last year. And he is just really adept on the puck. When he's playing well, he's making smart decisions. His transition and outlet passes are fantastic. The addition of Gustav Forsling, I think, has been really, really good. He's an aggressive player. He's a quick accelerator, maybe the fastest uh, in three steps on the team. When you think about how quick he can get up to full acceleration, you'll see him lug the puck a lot through the zone. And then Brandon Montour. So all four of those guys, they can jump up into the offense at any time. They're adept defensively. They can get back. They have active sticks. And then you have just a couple of physical bruisers on the back that still still actually will jump into the play, too, from time to time. And Kevin Connaughton, who's earned a playing spot, 
in, in Sunrise, and then also uh, Radko Gudis, who I know Flyers fans are very familiar with Radko and what he brings to the table. And, you know, I got to be honest, he's a much more complete defenseman than I had given him credit for. You know, you're a fan of other teams and you see Gudis come in and you think Goon, you think yeah. cheap shot artists. You don't think of a guy that really is a, a, a 100, 150-foot defenseman that has good sound position. He's not just an open ice hitter. He's got an active stick. And then he can do some of those agitating, annoying things, protect your teammate type things that set the tone for the blue line so those other four guys can push forward. So he's Zito and along with Brunette, they've kind of created this comprehensive blend of all the things that you want out of a defense. We have a couple of holes for sure in Florida. Right now we're struggling on the power play. We don't quite have that that power play quarterback uh, that Yandel filled that role for a time here in Sunrise. But, you know, collectively that is a defense that can move up and down the ice with the forwards. There's very little gap control. In fact, if you, if you see the Panthers struggling like they did against New Jersey, uh, even in the first period last time they played them or like they did in New York, it was because the gaps were off and the forwards and, and defensemen were not on the same, same page. When they take the puck in the neutral zone, it could be a defenseman. It could be Verhege, It could be Forsling, but they're going to quickly move that puck into the offensive third and, I mean, the old adage, right? The best defense is a good offense. And that's really how the Panthers as a group have been able to get it done, aside from the, the excellent work in net. Yeah, and moving to the goaltending, which is also really good. It's kind of a running theme with this Panthers team. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're, it's uncomfortable, Kelly. I'm just going to tell you right now, it's uncomfortable how good this team is. I think there's there's a lot of Florida Panthers fans that are walking on eggshells thinking, uh, it's got to come to an end at some point. But I don't yeah. think so. I think we're in the right direction. Yeah, I was just thinking that as a Flyers fan, if they were this good to start a season, like I would be tremendously afraid of like a natural disaster, some kind of <laughs> like someone's life falling apart. Like the, it would be too much. Be too the, pe- much the pessimism takes over as a sports fan so many times. Yes. <laughs> so Bob and Spencer Knight both have pretty good numbers. Um, Bob especially right now has a 937 save percentage. And he is someone who, over the course of the last couple of years, has struggled. I mean, it's been kind of a thing that people were like, hey, you paid Bob all of this money. He's not that good anymore. Um, but this season, he seems to be back to Vezina Trophy level Sergei Bobrovsky. Do you think that is, do you think that's a result of the defense in front of him being so good as you just described? Or do you think that he is just kind of, gotten himself together and goalies are weird and this is just how it's going to be probably an amalgamation of all of those things i think you were you used the word struggled and i think panthers fans would substitute that with terrible for the first two years (laughs) of that giant contract i mean especially the first year uh before quinville the defense was porous and um it was really bad and he was really bad and you know when you're a goaltender and you're you're having to face you know, 10, 12 shots uh, from the house, you know, in, in high danger areas, goals are going to go in. I mean, you can't just be a brick wall every single time. And I think the pressure of that contract, the terribleness of the defense that year um, affected Bobrovsky. In fact, one of the things that Bobrovsky has done is he's actually gotten off social media. I don't know how widely publicized that's been, but oh, he, he, yeah, he thought that was bad for his psyche, I suppose. And um you know, which some of us can agree with. Yes. And and he did he he wanted to block out all that outside noise and he's come back refreshed. He's also fully healthy. He's battled some injuries, I think, under the radar that that weren't necessarily reported 
um, that might have been nagging injuries. So he came back fully healthy. Um, he battled COVID last year. So, you know, he was a year removed from that just about or, you know, 10 months. And he just looks really good. He's doing some things. Now, I'm, I'm not an expert on goalies. I can't I can't score against them and I can't stop pucks and I don't know a whole lot about goalies. But one a couple of the things that I think the the Panthers community has noticed, the ones that are more in tune uh, with goaltending, is that he's not going down as easily. He's shored up his five hole, which was a major problem specifically on one v one and and two on one scenarios last year. Laterally, we we all know the acrobatic nature that he has. I mean, Flyers fans saw it for a number of years, just how good he can be when oh, yeah. he's on his game. But I think he's shored up some of the technical things. He's staying upright. Um, he's coming out at higher angles. He's calm. He's collective in the net. And he's got a better defense. And he's got a better system. And he doesn't have to face as many high-danger shots. Now, there's been some games already this season where the Panthers have traded punches with teams. When you go back to that New Jersey game, I think it was close to 90 combined shots between the two teams that hit the net. But Bobrovsky has been everything and more that you'd want out of a $10 million goalie. It's just been two years too late. I guess better late than never, right? Oh, we'll take it. We'll take it. <laughs> so there's not really any way to get around it. This is going to be a very tough game for the Flyers. It will be the second of back-to-back games on the road. They're playing Tampa Bay tonight. Florida will be coming off three full days of rest after beating Minnesota back on the 20th. What is the weak spot? If there's a weak spot on this Florida team, where can the Flyers take advantage and try to find a way to win this game? There's a couple of areas that that I think the fans have kind of honed in on, and I've definitely been a voice of that. Um, Right now, the the Panthers are without Alexander Barkov, who, depending on who you talk to, might be a, a top five player, top three center, um, but clearly is the best player on the Florida Panthers. I mean, there's no question there. And without him and without Nolachari, who's been on the shelf uh, since the start of the season with a shoulder injury, the, the Panthers are really a little susceptible down the middle. They've had to rely on guys playing up. So Sam Bennett, who has also been banged up from time to time, he's playing up a line. Anton Lundell, who's a 20-year-old rookie who, who we absolutely love, is stellar, is a great two-way player. He's going to be a really good center in this league. And so far he's been great this season, but he's also a rookie in the NHL. And so he's having to bump up to the second line. Joe Thornton's having to play center. And I think they originally thought that maybe Joe would end up being on the wing. So mm. there is, there, there's that looseness up the middle right now. Uh, they're, they're not great on faceoffs. I mean, you can, you can beat this team if you can win faceoffs and create zone possession in that way, winning offensive faceoffs, getting out of your own D zone, winning those faceoffs, and obviously Drew, one of the best in the league, and has been for a number of years. Uh, Couturier also very good on faceoffs, so I, I see that as a very clear advantage. But it's about how can you take that advantage and then turn it against the Panthers who want to skate, who want to get into that transition game, who want to force you into turnovers in the middle of the ice. And then the other is. Um, you can you can take some liberties with this Panthers team. You can get physical. And I say that not because they're not a physical team and they won't play that brand of hockey, that we are missing Mason Marchman, who I think has kind of been the key instigator and sandpaper man uh, in, in the front 12. But they're not very good on the power play right now. In fact, uh, I'm, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think 0 for 15, 0 for 16 over the last six or seven games, it's been a long time since they scored a power play goal. It's been even longer since they look good on the power play. Um, it's just not clicking. It's 
they're not getting zone time. They're not winning those offensive faceoffs to create zone time. And um, in some of these power plays, I think that's been if you're if you talk to any Florida Panthers fan who's watched, you know, 90, 95 percent of the games, the first thing they're going to tell you that's wrong with this team is the power play. And it's really scary, I think, for the rest of the NHL, because if they do figure it out, the damage they're doing at five on five and even strength right now. I mean, you're talking about a team that could be averaging four plus goals a game if they can ever get the power play click, uh, clicking completely. That's very interesting to me. I always find it fascinating when a team as offensively gifted as the Panthers can't score on the power play. Like, it makes no sense to me logically. Is it, in your mind, is it more of a, a system thing? Like, is the coaching bad or are the players just not executing? Okay, I'll precursor this by saying I'm not a coach and <laughs> whatever <laughs> I say here is purely opinion. Um, but I do think that they need to to add a wrinkle. So right now, they're the way that the Panthers set up is they'll put Ekblad generally at the top of the blue line, kind of a, running the blue line part of the point, and then they'll run four forwards. Uh, recently, it's been Duclair at the right circle with Barkov out, Huberdeau at the left circle, and then they like to put two guys, one in the high slot, usually Sam Reinhardt, and then uh, depending on who it might be, um, oftentimes Patrick Hornquist or whoever Brunette is kind of thinking might be able to fill that role right in front of the crease. So the Panthers, they don't operate below the circles very often. Everything is on the perimeter, which I think makes them very predictable. Um, you can see that they're trying to line up either Duclair for a one-timer or Ekblad for a shot to try and get through at the, at the top. And that's a lot of the way that the power play ran when Keith Yandel was running that same kind of access point at the top of the power play like Ekblad is now. But Yandel... Um, who is a uh, polarizing figure in Florida Panther fan <laughs> lore. But one thing that he did well, and I, I'm not sure if he's doing well for, for Philly these days, but he was always very good about teeing up his teammates. Yes. Um, for many of many of the problems that Florida Panthers fans had with Yandel, I mean, his one redeeming quality was the power play. And I still think that they're, they're trying to find a solution there. I'd like to see Ekblad moved over to that left circle and let him wind up the one-timer. I think he's a better shooting option. But right mm -hmm. now, when you look at the blue line um, and you look at the forward core, I'm not sure that they have someone they feel comfortable with skirting that blue line at the top and, and doing that balancing act of, of quarterbacking the power play. And that's a hole that maybe Bill Zito could look at addressing down the line for the Panthers, but mm -hmm. certainly is one right now. I mean, faceoffs and power play, those are two key areas where, where Florida's been struggling. Okay, that's interesting. The one thing that I always ask people, and you're new, so this is fun because it's not boring to you yet. <laughs> is uh, for a player that we might not know about as Flyers fans that you think we should keep an eye on in this game? So I kind of already mentioned um, Anton Lindell. Mm -hmm. And I think there's definitely some hockey fans that know. I mean, he was uh, 12th, I believe, overall pick a couple of years ago. But I'm, I'm going to pull back a little bit and go with Frank Vetrano. Um, you might be familiar with Frank Vetrano because he's a former Bruin. But he's come to the Panthers. He's been a 20-goal scorer a couple of times already in his career. And he plays on the fourth line. And what makes him dangerous is that he only needs a couple of opportunities. He's playing less than 12 minutes a game right now. He's got six goals. He scored two in the last game. And he's always been a heater. You know, like he can ride a heater. So if he gets hot, it's like he always gets his goals in bunches. And that fourth line between him, um, A2 Lusterinen, who has got six goals this season, and Patrick Hornquist, I mean, they have been kind of the energy providers this year. So any one of those three guys, even though they're on the fourth line, 
still adept at scoring and, and could go off and can can do something, one little thing per shift, one shift per game that can turn the tide. And that's that's been uh, a genesis of how the Panthers, when they have gotten into trouble, have gotten out of it, is throwing that line out there and letting them create some energy. And the final thing I will ask you is for a shot in the dark prediction of the final score of this game. Ooh, that's tough. Uh, shot in the dark. Well, um, yep. I believe Bobrovsky is going to be going in this game. And uh, he's, yeah, he's looked really, really good. Um, I haven't seen a whole lot of the Flyers aside from that one game they played against the Panthers. Claude Drew scares the bejesus out of me every time he's on the ice. Um, and I know he's doing well yet again this season. But I do like Florida's chances at home. I mean, they're, they're just really sound at home. They generate so many chances. Uh, and every team that comes in, especially on the second end of a back-to-back. I mean, you're, you're running through the gauntlet now in Florida when you have to face the two-time yeah. defending Stanley Cup champions and the Florida Panthers. And the way that the NHL schedules it, you almost always get them on back-to-back games, if not back-to-back nights. It's not and fair. <laughs> so uh, the, the key to this game is going to be uh, what I'll call the, the Flyers' fourth period, right? That that first period and the second of a back-to-back where you still kind of have some energy, maybe have some carryover from the game before. But the Panthers, they're, they're just really good. And I'm, I'm going with a 4-1 Panthers win. And um, I don't feel good about it because, once again, that pessimism starts to creep in now that I've said that. But uh, <laughs> they're just they're, they're a really good team. And it, this is the first time since I've been a Florida Panthers fan that when they step on the ice, no matter who they're playing against, I expect them to win. And if they don't win, I expect them to be, uh, you know, within a goal or two at crunch time. So I have yet to pick the Flyers to lose a single game doing these little pregame podcasts because I'm that kind of fan um but this one's gonna be rough and i am not sure yet which of carter hart or martin jones will be playing in florida i mean like normally with a back-to-back i feel like there's a clear this team is better play the starting goaltender this team is worse that guy can you know the backup can go in that one with a tampa bay florida back-to-back like i don't know how you decide which one of those teams you want to put your backup in against I'm kind of hoping that you guys get Carter Hart, but that remains to be seen. Um, if if it's Carter Hart, I'm going to say two two to one Flyers. Um, if it's Martin Jones, I don't know. It, it might be. Oh, that'll be a tough game if it's Martin Jones. Uh, I'm just going to say two to one Flyers because why not? Let's see how she goes. I think it'll be, it, it, you know, it'll be a good game. Um, yeah. I, again, I haven't seen the Flyers as much, just that one game. But, you know, you're, you're probably going to face a lot of rubber. So whichever one of your, your goaltenders is better under, under duress, you know, that's a good, it's a good chance that the Panthers, they're either going to create a lot of shots and suppress shots, or they're going to create a lot of shots and give up some opportunities. Mm. We haven't seen a lot of games where they have struggled to get offense towards the net maybe a couple of games early on and they had some puck luck and and had some high shooting percentages but lately i mean they have been they have been geared up in a north-south game creating transition turnovers and getting that puck to the net yeah the flyers are are going through it right now um so hopefully they give you an entertaining hockey game hopefully they find a way to win i don't know maybe at least one of these two games against two of the best teams in hockey back-to-back, which is super cool of the NHL. Uh, But yeah, we'll see what happens. 
Bryce, thank you very much for agreeing to do this. This was amazing. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Kelly. I enjoy being on. All right. I hope you enjoy the game. Hope everyone listening enjoys the game. Go Flyers. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. What is up, Astros fans? This is Jeff Balke and my partner, former Astro Jeff Blum from the Believe in Astros podcast to tell you baseball is back and we've got your world champion Houston Astros covered. Every week we go inside the clubhouse, break down the games, discuss the players and give you everything you need to know about the Houston Astros baseball organization with special guests and a few surprises all summer and into the postseason. So tune in to the Believe in Astros podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V on Apple. Spotify, YouTube, and everywhere you get your podcasts, go Astros.